0: Seven things you probably didn't know you need to know. I'm Jamie Easton. This this is the Smart Seven. Hi, Jamie. I'm David McWilliams from the David McWilliams podcast, which goes out every Tuesday and every Thursday. This time around, I'm talking about my top seven stories for 2021. Welcome, David. It's a pleasure to have you on the Smart Seven. Let's take a listen to a clip that might give away what your first story is about. Let's just bring you some breaking uh, news now. The Brexit minister, Lord Frost, has resigned tonight. It's called uh, Brexit forever. I don't think you lads are ever to going to give up on this Brexit yeah. malarkey. And I think now it looks as if the Tory party might actually split into a real Brexit party under your man Frost and his allies. And Johnson himself will have to become more Brexity over the course of the next... 12 months to keep the whole thing together. So I can't speak for anybody else. I can only say what I think, which is that I don't support coercive policies on COVID. The Prime Minister's got some very difficult decisions to take, and uh, I'm sure he'll be thinking very hard of them. So I think, you know, this idea of get Brexit done, not at all. Are you confident you can get a deal? We're working very hard to get a deal, but there's quite a lot to do. It's just going to go on and on and on with weird ramifications for the UK and, unfortunately, for uh, our neighbours, your neighbours, us. Okay, for number six, you've chosen uh, a farewell to a political tour de force, David. Well, Merkel stepping down is just the end of a generation. Angela Merkel ran the European Union and really the European Union's external policy for many, many years. Obviously, Germany, biggest economy, richest economy, most powerful economy. But in Merkel, they had a real proper leader. Nuanced, subtle, diplomatic, but actually really firm. Angela, on behalf of the UK, I want to thank you for your truly historic commitment, uh, not just to uh, the UK-Germany relationship, but to global diplomacy more generally. Now she's stepping down just at the time when we might talk about tensions with Russia, and Germany's going to have to recreate itself, re-evaluate itself. And as a result of that, the European Union is going to have to recalibrate. So I think we will only really miss Angela when she's gone. And now she's gone, and I think over the next few weeks, you're going to see a change in Germany's outlook, Germany's policies, and the way in which Germany sees Europe. So this is a big one. Russia has for weeks been massing troops and tanks along the Ukrainian border, prompting Ukraine, Poland, and Lithuania to call for more Western sanctions against it in fear of an invasion. I mean, Russia is a strange one. I spent many years trying to learn Russia, uh, live over there amongst them, and try to understand how they think. And ultimately, what we have with Russia is a country which has, in the past, and this is the interesting thing, in the past, it has actually deployed troops in Crimea in Georgia, all over the place, and got away with it. So now what they're doing is they're basically saying, we want a little bit of Ukraine back. And what they're hoping is that they will actually, not so much annex Ukraine in terms of going in and having troops on the ground indefinitely, but basically putting in a pro-Russian government in Ukraine. And it looks as if they're going to do that in the next 12 months. And this is fascinating because the thing is, the Russians have got away with this in the past. This is how they operate. And Ukraine is unbelievably close. People think it's Central Eastern Europe, but it's actually only at the end of a gas pipe between us, the Ukrainians, and the Russians. David, you've chosen for number four a subject that I think a lot of Smart 7 listeners feel as though they need to know more about. I certainly do. I pretend I know more than I actually do, but I find it incredibly confusing. Bitcoin is in the red along with the rest of the market and with gold and all the inflation hedges. So with the debate raging between inflation and deflation and tapering versus holding steady, where does Bitcoin land in all of this? The crypto guys, the Bitcoin guys have said that one of their central planks is that Crypto is a hedge against inflation. The inflation hedge is definitely another concern for many investors, uh, and many investors are coming to Bitcoin because of that. The question is what's going to happen to Bitcoin when interest rates rise? Because if interest rates rise, the value of Bitcoin as a hedge should be going up. But let's just see. My own sense is that if interest rates rise, a lot of liquidity is knocking around the market, will disappear, and a lot of the attractiveness of speculative stuff like Bitcoin will probably not seem disappear, but will ebb away ever so slightly. So it's an interesting one because it combines crypto, real economy, bond markets, stock markets, the whole nine yards. I'm David McWilliams from the David McWilliams podcast. Still to come on this edition of the Smart 7 Review of 2021, we're going to be looking at house prices and a profound change in China. Right after this. Welcome back, David. What's next on the list? This is a fascinating one because for the last 30 years, China has played this idea of being the great and good global citizen. It's made all the right noises on globalization. It's made all the right noises on the environment. It's made all the right noises internally as to how it behaves. And then, of course, in the last six months, that's all changed. You've got the oppression of the Uyghurs, which they... For ages, for years, they actually denied. There's no so-called genocide or forced labor or mass sterilization or other things. We call it the lies of the century. The accusation against us in Xinjiang is totally groundless and not based on facts. But more importantly, you have this increased tensions in Taiwan. And again, again, the Chinese have said they want to take over Taiwan. They want to annex Taiwan. Taiwan, though, sees itself as its own sovereign nation. We don't have a need to declare ourselves an independent state. We are an independent country already. And um, we call ourselves Republic of China, Taiwan. And we do have government and we have the military and, and we have elections. So the same way as we're seeing Russians going to annex Crimea, the Chinese annexing Taiwan would be a massive, massive change to the world order. And it's something that the Chinese have kind of signaled that they're quite happy about. If that happens, globalization is over, international trade is over, all sorts of things that we assumed were totally normal will actually become history and we'll be into a brave new world. The big change in the last couple of weeks and months has been the idea that inflation is back. Consumer prices jumping to the highest level in nearly 40 years, What does it mean for inflation? If you think, we haven't worried about inflation in the West for 40 years. 40 years. And now people are worrying the rate of inflation in the States is 6%. In the UK, it's 5%. In the EU, it's 5%. And what we're seeing, and this is the key thing, is that I was saying. The other day on my own podcast, I had a builder in the other day and he was talking about inflation. So he said, look, I'll give you a price for the job. But if we happen to be doing the job in a couple of months time, the price will be different because of inflation. Steel prices alone, I think they've gone up 60, 70 percent in the last year. Copper's gone up 50 odd percent. Wood's gone up 80. That means that the man on the street is feeling inflation. That means the expectations of the average dude are pricing in, price increases, and that's when things become dangerous. So ultimately, I think what to watch for 2022 is the rise of and the return of inflation. It's an old enemy. It hasn't been around for a long time, but it's back. Thanks so much for all these, David. I'm finding this absolutely fascinating for your final story, I believe you've chosen a subject dear to our British hearts. The economy may have nosedived during the pandemic, but the housing market's booming with the number of sales at their highest since records began. This is a this is a serious serious dilemma. The first thing is it's an intergenerational dilemma. Young people are paying for ridiculously expensive rents and our house prices. This is something people didn't expect from the pandemic, but it's something that's happened during the pandemic. So what has happened is people still need somewhere to live, but the supply of houses is contracted because lots of builders haven't been working. And what you get is the price of houses has gone through the roof. This is something we talk about a lot on our podcast. And what we're seeing is house prices are rising, rising, rising. And unless governments do something about it, which is like build old council houses as we used to do in the 60s and 70s. This thing's going to get worse and it's going to fuel extreme politics. We will help turn generation rent into generation buy. So the epicenter of politics in the Western world is going to be housing, house prices, and how we get young people into the housing market at a rate of price increases that's affordable to everybody and that's the huge challenge I'm David McWilliams and this has been my review of the biggest economic stories of 2021 Jamie and the crew from the smart seven back tomorrow at 7am with a brand new episode and if you want to check out my podcast the David McWilliams podcast you can find it on all the usual platforms happy Christmas and have a happy new year